0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight.
1: And hello to you. Welcome to the official Canberra Raiders podcast, episode three of Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick, and once again, joined by the Raiders media manager, Mr. Benny Pollock. Benny, g'day. How are you?
2: G'day, mate. How are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good, look a little uh, bit flaky from last week, but look we'll get to that match in a sec, we'll spend a little time there, then we'll move forward and uh, talk about the match against the Warriors this weekend another home game for the boys match day sponsor, Ausbrokers Canberra, we'll be joined by a couple of larrikins, Aiden Caesar and Nick Cottrick. they join us here in the studio and for the Forever Green segment I'll go one on one with a very special Canberra Raiders legend so sit back, relax, wherever you're listening come join us As we go behind the line. This NRL competition is going to be one of the toughest I'm feeling uh, for a long, long time. Anyone can win on their given day, but I think it's more prominent now week in, week out. uh, There's going to be some really tough games throughout the competition. Maybe the ghost of the titan. Came back to haunt us a little bit against the Knights.
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. It's it's every game is different. Um, unfortunately, the result didn't go away, but once again, I thought there was plenty of good signs there. Um, the way that we were able to, you know, start the match um, after the Knights had scored that opening try and to get back into it, and then to get back into it again later on. Um, and go eight points in front with about 20 minutes to go. Uh, once again, they probably should have iced it from there, but um, that's the way that it, it panned out, and we need to back it up now and, and perform against the Warriors. Um, we don't want to start the season 0-3, so it's a massive game for the boys. How's
1: the camp been this week around HQ? It's been still pretty positive, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the guys have only been in uh, for today and, uh, and yesterday because, obviously, the, the shorter week going into the Warriors game, the preparation's been shortened a little bit. So, you know, the spirits are still there. They had the team photo on Tuesday. Tuesday. Everyone was upbeat and um, and positive, and you know that positivity is not going to go away. Um, it's not like they've been absolutely blown out of the water the last two weeks. They've lost in by two points in the last couple of minutes each week, so that, the belief's still there amongst the group. And I think um, all it's going to take is that one win, and, and things will get rolling.
1: Good chance this week against the Warriors they come to Canberra. They'll be tested with their travel as well. They're not known to be the best travellers.
2: Yeah, they've had a, a busy start to the season too. They've gone Perth, Auckland, now they're back here at Canberra. So, I mean, that, that'll come into it. For us, um, without making excuses, um, injuries have obviously played a part um, early on in this team um, We lost Joe Tarpany In that first game Which forced a, sh- a reshuffle Mid-game And we saw the same thing Happen last weekend When uh, Joey Lelua Went off with that ankle mm-hmm. injury So um, You know Elliot Whitehead's done An outstanding job To cover pretty much half the positions in the team in the opening two weeks and he's, his form's been outstanding and even he picked up a bit of an ingle there at the back end of the game last week so um, the guys just need to spend this week getting their bodies right and getting them for what's going to be a very physical game against the Warriors.
1: Also to Jordan Rapana how good was he? Uh, scored one, May two, we nicknamed him Michael Jordan Rapana uh, just that basketball <laughs> athleticism that he takes out on that rugby league pitch yeah. and does it and to, you know, that bat back for Whitehead to score, gee he's a, he's a key component for our squad isn't
2: he? He's Sure is. I mean, over the last three seasons, he's taken his game to the next level. He's now a New Zealand um, staple in their team, um, a performer at the World Cup and, you know, for the Raiders every week. So you know what you're going to get with Giordo. He gives in and rips and and tears every game. And he's always one of the first blokes there to take the first carry at the set. So you know that you're going to get a committed player when he takes the field.
1: We're zipping through the NRL, round three already Benny, what's in store for another home game for the
2: boys? Yeah, big one this weekend, all thanks to Match Day sponsor, Ausbrokers Canberra We've got three games happening down there at GIA Stadium, starting nice and early on Saturday morning, we've got the two Mounties teams uh, the Jersey Fleet, the under-20s and the Seniors playing after that as well, so three games for the price of one this week down there at GIA Stadium, we've also got something very special happening uh, before kickoff. I'm not going to give too much away um, but I can tell you um, that it does have something to do with a very long-term and very prominent member of this football club and maybe some sort of reunion but we're going to touch on that on the weekend.
1: Wow, we can't miss that one. In my sweet little hand is the team list uh, for round three. Let's go through the side quickly. At fullback Jack Whiten on one wing is Nick Kotrick to centre a Jarrett Croken and a skipper. With Joey LaLua, he's been named at four.
2: Yeah, he has um, an opportunity for him to try and recover before this weekend. Uh, you'll see down the list Michael Oldfield has been named on an extended bench to cover Joey if he does not get up for this game.
1: Jordan Rapana on the other the wing the halves. Aidan Caesar there back at 5'8 with Sammy Williams at number 7. And the front row, C.S. Soliola, two 80 minute performances, gets picked in the starting lineup once again. Saliva Haveli there in the hooking role. Shannon Boyd, the other prop. The second role is Josh Papali and Elliot Whitehead. And at lock forward once again, Luke Bateman. The rotations on the bench, Blake Austin there back at 14, similar to round 1. And then 15, Junior Paulo, Dynamis Louie and Liam Knight, another Raiders deputy.
2: Yeah, it looks as though Liam might get an opportunity this weekend. Uh, uh, obviously with Charlie Gubb out uh, from that groin injury. Liam gets his chance. Been very impressive for Mounties. Uh, Just to give you a bit of background on Liam, he was an outstanding under-20s player. He played a lot of representative football at that age and was a key component of that Manly team that featured Tommy Trebojevic uh, in that under-20s when they pushed through to the the grand final there for Manly. So really good uh, talented young player and he might get an opportunity this weekend.
1: Sometimes when people get a bit depressed about injuries when one door kind of closes for a while, one door opens. Great to see another guy making his debut for the Green Machine.
2: Yeah, it would be great if he gets a chance. You've also got Joe Tarpenny, um, Adahingano, Michael Oldfield and Royce Hunt named in that extended squad. Uh, the way that the team list structures happened uh, the last year and into this year, uh, if a player is a, even a minute chance of coming back from an injury, you must name him in the extended squad, otherwise you're not allowed to bring him in on game day. So that's why you see Joe tarpeny's name there. He might not play, um, but just in case that he Possibly could get up his names there. Adahingano was outstanding um, for Mounties last weekend, and of course, Royce Hunt doing good things for them as well.
1: Boys have joined us, Nick Cottrick and Hayden Caesar. How you going, boys? Good,
3: good mate. Kind of lost
1: last week, uh, devastating circumstances. Uh, boys got got your noses in front, but uh, again,
3: yeah. Look, it's um, it's obviously tough, you know? Um, you know. I think we've we've put ourselves in a in a good position to win the footy games the last couple of weeks, but you know, haven't come away with the biscuits, but um you know i think we're you know we can take lessons earlier on the season out of it but we just can't keep making them you know it's it's disappointing and switch on, you know.
2: (laughs) Nicky, you'd have a a tremendous season last year, picking up the NRL Rookie of the Year. Uh, What were the things that you sort of wanted to work on coming into this season?
4: Yeah, definitely a lot. Just improving every aspect of the game, like just the simple things, I guess, and just my overall game, yeah. You
1: were quite damaging last year with your kick returns. NRL clubs are going to be doing their research on you now. Has Ricky spoke to you about potentially go on the next bar and reinventing yourself
4: oh uh, yeah i guess so you just keep doing the same things each week and just yeah just try if i can't get the kick return just try to get as much dummy half as i can or just just try to get involved as much as i can so yeah they might not get those kick returns but just see just support jacko or just keep supporting tools and just try to get as much ball as i can
2: sees for you it's been a, an interesting start to the season i suppose um you, you know you've been out of position for the first couple of games um doing a job for the team um, off the bench, um, you get an opportunity this weekend to start in the halves um, you must be looking forward to having the chance to get your hands on the footy a little bit more um, in that halves role
3: yeah for sure um but, you know back in a familiar role for me playing in the halves you know is a bit foreign to me um, being on hooker the last couple of weeks, but um, as i as 've um, you know touched them before, I had to do what's what 's best for the team and um, you know it 's obviously disappointing for us though, sort of going back to the bench but um, you know, we're all here for the team, and um, you know, whatever the coaches see fit, you know, we've got to just um, conform to that. So we'll we'll just go from there. And, but it's good to be back in the halves, yeah.
2: How did you find that little stint in the middle of the field? Did it um, did you did you have to change your approach to the way that you played a lot, or did you try and take some of the stuff that you'd usually take into games in there with you?
3: Um, yeah, it was it was a bit different, mate. And you know, even even just running out, you know, as a as boy, sort of, you know, ran out to, to take the field before the game. You know, just you're sitting on the bench, and it's probably something I'm not used to. I've never sort of done in my footy career, and um, it's something I, I don't really want to get used to, to be honest. Um, it was a different role for me playing hooker. Um, I thought I was a bit out, out, out of place um, at times there, yeah, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I have respect for the boys in the middle now, and, and, and to see firsthand what, what they have to do um, week in, week out, you know, really respect, you know, the boys in the middle, and, and hookers, you know, playing above their weight week in, week out, so um, it, it was a good it was a good learning curve for me, yeah. You're a Billmore boy. boy, yep. and then you went to the Gold Coast. Bankstown boy. No, Bankstown boy. boy. Yeah.
1: From the Gold Coast and you now here in Canberra, how have you found the nation's capital? What's your experience like a couple of years in? Well oh,
3: look, I haven't really took to the weather um as much as people think, but you know, I've got i got a good good bunch of boys around me. Um, you know, a good mates with, with this clan next to me and i and as well and, and all the other boys are, are really good, you know. We've got a pretty tight team down here and um I think, you know, all the other outside influences don't really uh matter to me. So, you know, it, it gets cold as it does everywhere in winter, but you know, we still live in a nice place and it's only a couple of hours, hours away from home, so yeah.
2: Nick, you've spent your whole life here, so obviously it's not a factor for you. Um, how have you found coming into this team? Obviously, as C's mentioned, you've formed a pretty close, uh, close knit relationship with himself and and Osto, and, and you've been enjoying your time in the first grade squad.
4: Yeah, I'm enjoying my time. I'm having heaps of fun. It's been good. All the boys have welcomed me very well. Um, everyone's been very nice. Um, yeah, Ada and <laughs> he's
2: trying not to lie. Ada and Osto been
4: they've been good. Everyone's been good, but at the start, yeah, they just invited me for coffees and then ever since then we've just clicked I click with everyone but yeah just
2: Do they like a couple, of, couple of like a, a couple of older tougher annoying big brothers to you because they absolutely hammer you all the time on Instagram and stuff they're always playing pranks on you and things like that do you enjoy that?
4: oh sometimes I enjoy but sometimes yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they go overboard sometimes but they're like, good real mates it's just a bit of banter he, he, th- so, he throws he us th- around but when we get I was all- going to say he's, yeah. he's twice your size yeah. you, you got to be careful
3: oh mate sometimes when on the road and we, we go into the hotel rooms you know <laughs> it's his time to get us back he takes his shirt off and throws us around the room so <laughs> me, me and i run for the covers yeah it's really funny
1: mate you got a, you, your background you're a Serbian you grew up in a Serbian household yeah. what was it like I mean being an Eastern European they're probably you know your old oh man might have encouraged you to play soccer what? How did you get the bug of Rugby League and obviously to pursue a career in Rugby League?
4: Yeah, um, my brother grew up playing soccer too. I grew up playing soccer too since I was about 14, 15. Um, my mum didn't really know what Rugby League was, to be honest. She knew soccer, but she used to always come watch. And it was just my dad's family friend. He's like, his son was playing footy. He goes, you should try footy out. Gave me a footy ball. I started passing around the mates. I was like, oh, I really like this game. Ever since I played, since I was under sixes, I played soccer and soccer and league. And then, yeah, I guess I just stuck with footy and gave up soccer. I played a bit of union back in the day too, union and league. And then, yeah, I just loved league from Harold Matthews from up there. Just loved, loved rugby League. You've
2: been in the Raiders system since you were, I think, what, probably 13, 14 years old. So you know, I suppose um, you've always sort of had that aspiration to, to play for the Raiders. What did it mean to you when you first ran on the field uh, wearing that green jersey in an NRL game?
4: Oh, yeah, it meant the world for me. It was a dream come true. I remember ever since I was about 16... 17, I was like, oh, NRL. I was like, I'd love to play that one day. That's so my dream. Year ago. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, ago.
3: ago. <laughs> <It's>
4: <laughs> a, yesterday. Not a long time
3: ago. It's, what, a year ago? But <laughs> <Was that,
1: laughs> having <laughs> 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 said that, like, it's been such a whirlwind for like, you. Yeah. It's
4: crazy that you've kept it all together. You know, your, your first grade debut. NRL is pretty hard. It's not, um, you've got to perform each week or someone else can take your spot. So there's no, you can't really relax there. You've got to keep working hard and yeah, keep improving each week.
2: See, so um, one thing I love about you is that You've you've such uh, from such a diverse cultural background. You've you've got Turkish descent. You've also a proud Indigenous player. You, you're very proud of your culture. How did how do those two cultures sort of combine in life for you? Because they're they're vastly different, but at the same time both very important to you.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think I'll probably embrace it. I haven't met too many people that come from my sort of background. Um, yeah, I don't know what my parents are thinking, but um, yeah, I'm very proud of who I am. Um, make it, make no mistake about that. You know. I'm a proud Turkish um, boy, and I'm a proud the Indigenous man. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud of what I am there.
2: Now, you two boys, we found out um, midway through the pre-season that Nick, you actually spent a bit of time living with with seas over the off-season. Um, tell us a bit about that, and you know, did he did he take you to task, Were you made to wash up, make the beds, do the vacuuming, all that type of stuff?
4: Oh, I didn't really live with him. I stayed with him, like, I think one night. <laughs> <continue to. laughs> but, yeah, we hanged out a few times off-season. It was good. We went f 45, trained, got soy bowls after, protein shakes, had a good Everything bath.
3: with Nick, if you're going to hang out with him, you have to go to the gym. So if you're going to go to a cafe, that's a... Be a gym within you know, 100 metres proximity, so... Um, it's good you know, it, it, I think when you when you're training for such a long time professionally your body gets a bit sore and you get a bit older but Nicky coming in you know really gives you a lift and um, even in the gym, he's always making us do um, weights extras and things like that. And you can tell, you know, he's a prototype of what he puts yeah. in. So.
1: Mate, there's no way a Serbian mum's going to let his son move out <laughs> before yeah. the age of 30. <laughs> no Still got plenty <laughs> of time to <laughs> okay, go there, mate. You'll be, you'll be home with the oldies. A bit <laughs> He'll have his own man <laughs> shack there soon. Oh, gym in the back, dumbbells. Oh, he's got all that. <laughs> ping That's pong table. Up. He's got all that.
2: Your brother, is plays in the local competition. He's got bigger arms than you. You, is there a, is there a competition? Do you measure him out at Christmas time or something?
4: Yeah, he always, me and him, always are very competitive. He always tells me he's bigger than me, stronger, he's faster. But we'll see. I don't know. He's <laughs>
1: he rocked up to one of the games and it was like the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> he's a
4: big boy. Yeah, he's massive. He loves the gym. He loves it more than me. And it's... he's a, he's at a run of the forty two, hasn't he?
2: He plays locally, yeah. He played
4: Rams and he had a bit of stint at Mounties.
1: Didn't he have a run for Mounties? He did, did have
4: a run for Mounties, He's playing yeah. wing. I don't know what's going on there. On the wing?
1: <laughs> i love to see that front rower
4: then.
2: Off the field, boys, um, obviously, you know, you've got to spend your time doing something outside of footy to take your mind off it. You, you both don't mind having a swing of the golf clubs. I, I saw um, uh, you firsthand on the Sunshine Coast Seas, and I've seen Nick swing the club before. Is that something that you, you're trying to work on a little bit, or yeah, what, else? what think, else do you boys like to get no, up to? No, we've
3: yeah, you've hit it on the head there, um... You know, we've played a bit of golf lately. I've never really been a big golfer, but, you know, Nicky's starting to lower it and Nosto's and a big golfer as well. And all the boys are too. I think, you know, Sammy and, and Smell Jacko, all them boys, you know, get out and play regularly. So we've just been going along and, and having a hit, yeah.
2: One thing that annoys me is that the people that, that jump online and say, oh, you know, they're out playing golf, they should be training. You, you can't t- train 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How important is it to... to- have something outside of footy to, you know, refocus and give you something um, to do, you know, and get your mind away from it for a bit.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, as you said, you can't, you can't be 24 seven, you know, football. I think we, we know what's, um, what's at stake. We know, we know how to get our bodies right for the week and we know what to do in preparation. Um, I think when Nick gets together, we don't speak about footy at all. It's probably about turbos, turbos <laughs> and... and uh, VL turbos. <laughs> gets, getting the rotary and, and turbos and what else bro, Calais? A bit of everything. M,
4: uh, he likes M 3s <laughs>
1: <laughs> I heard you boys like a bit of the the FIFA on the on the PlayStation.
4: Yeah, I enjoy my FIFA. It's fun.
3: You'd be, you guys would be good at with the European background for sure. Yeah, we could, we'd go all right. Yeah, Knight is probably the best in the team. Liam Knight. What about this Fortnite?
2: Seems to be taking off. Are the, are the boys into it? You, do you play a bit uh, of yeah. that? Just, a few
3: Joseph Tup and he that's what he does
4: it's training and fortnight I tried downloading and my playstation said 24 hours download so I just left the thing I haven't even touched it there's no NBN down south
1: (laughs) a A good point you made there Ben about how important it is to get away from the game because yeah. you see, the guys I think Phil Gould spoke on the telly the other day. You can make yourself sick with the game, and as players, even if you watch too much and talk too much, it feels like you've actually played a game. Yeah. And you know, how important is that? Is it, is it a structured thing, or do you just kind of go with the flow? Let's go to the movies, let's go play some PlayStation. How do you structure that with your training and yeah, so forth? Yeah, it's
3: probably down to you know the individual you are. Um, you know, when I'm not with Nick, I probably think about footy all the time. I know me and Oster. We because
2: um, he loves footy. Oster, he'll talk yeah, footy. Yeah, he'll we, talk we, footy twenty four seven.
3: For me and Oster, I think sometimes it it gets a bit overwhelming. You know, we watch every single game of the weekend. We go for a coffee and we speak in football. You know, just you know, it gets a bit too much sometimes. But as I said, mate, when um, you know Nicky sort of comes to the fold, there, you know, we don't even talk about it. Is it, it mean, just rugby league? It's in probably general? yeah, like fans, like rugby league in general, talking about the weekend's results. Obviously, how we can get better, how we can better ourselves, and. Um, you know, I think a lot of the boys like that, but, you know, we've got a. I think we've got a good balanced crew here where a lot of the boys get away and do their own thing and then they come to train and really apply themselves. They um, so, say it's one of the hardest things is to switch off. Yeah.
2: Well, it's like anything. Any person that works in their job, you take your work home with, you, you're thinking about it, you're checking their emails, you're doing that sort of stuff. I mean, it's no different for these boys. You need to, you need to switch to... To, you know, give yourself a break.
1: But rugby league, it's that thing that we just we just love it. At Whether you're a you player or a fan yeah, or yes, involved yeah. in the, with yeah. the media, like, you know, you just love it. Yeah.
2: Beautiful. Well, boys, thanks for joining us. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, it's uh, nice to hear the other side uh, to players and find out what they're interested in and what they get up to. You've had a, a bit of a laugh and uh, we've, we've learned a little bit more about you, so. Can
4: you, can you speak Serbia? <laughs> Stardash. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good on you, lads. Thanks for that.
1: Cheers, are on your best. <laughs> Thanks, boys. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. This week, I catch up with a man that caught the bus from Belconnen to Queanbeyan to watch the early Raiders of the early 80s run around at Seaford Oval. And by 1988, he went from the hill to the playing field. Playing 178 first grade games for the Raiders, which included the premierships of 89 and 94, and of which 89 being awarded the Clive Churchill Medal. He was the first player to be awarded the Clive Churchill Medal on a beaten side in 1991's loss against Penrith. And by 1993, he was touted the best player in the world. He played 12 origins for his state of New South Wales and 19 tests for his country. It's forever green number 97, Bradley Clyde.
0: Hello, Bradley Clyde.
1: Bradley Clyde, how are you?
0: really well. Yes, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we'll get straight into what Maytay uh, had a good career here at the Raiders. You come as a young junior 1988, obviously your local boy. Uh, the Raiders entered the competition in 82. You mentioned quite a lot you used to go to the games here at Seaford Oval.
0: I sure did. Uh, right from 82 I used to jump on the action bus religiously with uh, my parents and Family and head across to Seaford Oval back in the day. And uh, I mean, those first couple of years, the Raiders weren't overly successful, but it was just uh, rugby league being played at its top level, and uh, all these players that you'd seen on TV all your junior life, and um, uh, suddenly you had some connection with them. They were playing in your backyard, and it was a real luxury. but in '82, that sort of enabled, um, with the Raiders coming in, it enabled that pathway for me to have a even deeper connection.
1: What was it like in the town of Canberra for young footballers coming through the ranks? I mean, you, young footballer there, but you played your AFL, you played some other sports. Did the Raiders actually come in and give all you guys something to kind of sink your teeth into and aspire to?
0: It sure did. Yes, um, just to to watch. The, the first grade being played at the top level, suddenly there was Mal Meninga that uh, created some real identity to the team. Uh, that was a key sign. And Wayne Bennett had um, established a real infrastructure for success and um, I, I look at those two events along with uh, uh, both those two players bringing along you know, players like Peter Jackson and Gary Coyne and mm-hmm. uh, other Queenslanders, Steve Walters followed and Kevin Walters and it was a really healthy time for the club You know, those guys were all hugely influential, not only on the club but uh, here I was uh, a young player looking to, to be the best that I could be and uh, so they helped shape the culture. A
1: lot of pressure on the club after making the 87 grand final, Sheenzy coming in 88 changed a few things as well
0: It was a pretty interesting time uh, given that there was some expectation around uh, for, for us to be successful again. Ricky come through halfway through the year as well at halfback in a, a really key position and made the most of that opportunity. Uh, Laurie was um, carving out a healthy career. There was Lazo who was uh, you know, also pretty young and, and shaping his career. So there was, I wasn't the only youngster um, stepping in.
1: Unfortunately bundled out uh, in straight sets in the finals but 1989 and for you personally, massive year for you. You get picked to play for New South Wales and Australia.
0: I was playing alongside players that I was getting their football card signed. You know, mm. I, it was a huge honour for me to be able to pl- pull on those representative jerseys and then um, uh, win a grand final for the Raiders. So I certainly exceeded ex- my own expectations, and um, really, it was a, a magic carpet ride.
1: 1989, you mentioned uh, you're playing the grand final against the Tigers. Clive Churchill medal for you. All that that hype during the week, misnamed in the grand final breakfast, and it was all about the Tigers. Did Tim Sheen's eat that up and use it as a carrot for you guys to chase?
0: I don't think too many people would have put their money on the Raiders that day. Uh, If you came from Canberra, uh, you're probably uh, certainly cheering for the Raiders, but uh, wouldn't have uh, had too high hopes of us winning. Uh, we had a lot of belief in ourselves, and um, particularly at halftime, we weren't expected to win. Um, you know, we were down well and truly. I think it was 12 2 at the time, and um, we managed to turn things around just through sheer belief that we could win it. Uh, I remember to this day, Tim Sheens' words at half time uh, gave us a, a lot of belief, and, um, you know, the, the, all the stats suggested that we could have been and should have been in front so on the scoreboard and we uh, were all enjoying ourselves. It, uh, it, it was a, a magical finish to the game and um, uh, hugely proud of, of the boys' effort that day.
1: What was going through your, your mind when Chicka Ferguson scores out trying to put it into extra time?
0: The moment we knew that we were going into extra time. Uh, There was no way that we're going to lose the game. I honestly felt when we crossed over that the momentum had already swung. I felt hugely confident that we could win this game. And and then soon around in the corner become uh, Jacko's tribe. uh, A huge sigh of relief.
1: What was going through (laughs) your mind when you saw him from the time he got the ball, from the time he put the ball over
0: the line? Yeah, to, to this day it still brings shivers to the back of my spine it, it, just a what a wonderful moment Yeah, just a, a, a really really happy time for us all just make the grand final I think we had to win 10 straight uh, to win the grand final and that's exactly what we ended up doing
1: I think Tim Sheen's put the news clipping in the article there saying that Canberra don't have the forward pack to win and he used, <laughs> used it in the change room with you guys
0: yeah that's right well I you draw upon every piece of motivation, don't you? And then uh, testimony to all the effort and innovation that he applied to us right through that period. You see uh, an enormous amount of players from that time still coaching and still involved with the game in some way, shape or form. It's, um, a-, a lot of that has got to be laid at the feet of Tim Sheens with uh, just igniting that uh, imagination and innovation around rugby league and um, trying to to be the best you can be every time you take the field.
1: What was it like for you to be at the Canberra junior, a Canberra boy, going to those early games at Seaford Oval and then wearing the green jumper and being part of a grand final, the first team out of Sydney to win and to bring home that trophy for the Canberra public, the Canberra community? Gee, you would have been doing cartwheels in your head.
0: Sure was, yeah. It was a magical time. One of the greatest moments was that cavalcade through the city you know, we hardly had any sleep that night, along with um, you know probably being half intoxicated at yeah. the same time. I don't think they'd allow us to do it these days due to occupational health and safety. But yeah. Look, it was uh, an incredible time, and the Canberra people rejoiced with us, did bring the whole town together. And, uh, anyone that was in Canberra throughout that period would understand the... the galvanisation that occurred right through that period.
1: You would have went to bed on New Year's Eve in 1989 thinking gee there's not much I need to do for next year what a year 89 was for you
0: Yeah looking back it was um, probably my best milestones that year that I was hugely proud about and um, it it was hard to have a a similar year to that given that there were so many highs.
1: Of course uh, topping off there with the Clive Churchill medal, nineteen ninety. You've come out of the blocks. You win the pre-season championship against the Penrith Panthers. Minor premiers in all three grades. Gee, the monster of the Canberra went up a year that year, didn't they?
0: Genius. Yeah, that's exactly right. You suddenly, every time that every team plays you, they're measuring them their whole season against you. And um, so every week you've got to be on your game. And, and look, that was... Um, that helps the resolve of a team and you either step up or you step out through that pressure and um, I think we certainly had the players that were resilient to, to that pressure and, um, and you're right, those players stepped up a gear rather than stepping out.
1: Unfortunately, you missed the grand final in 1990, that just would have been devastation galore for
0: you? Yeah, yeah. I, I missed uh, the grand final along with um, Australian tour that year. And um, look, it, it was it was great to see the the team do a victory lap. I I'd, I'd contributed in a way that I felt you know there was that was worthy. Um, and um, look, it, it's one of those things you you've got to experience the highs and lows. Uh, at the time, I didn't really understand it, but uh, looking back on on my career, you, there's. Through every career, there's highs and lows. You've, you've got to accept that with sport, and uh, things happen for a reason, and it, it will steer to shape.
1: 1991, uh, he's come out of the blocks, and all of a sudden, all this controversy off the field about the Raiders with the salary cap, all this adversity happening, all you guys running through that final series, busted, Ricky with his groin, Lazo with his sternum, Laurie with his hamstring, all crook, and you get to the grand final, and just losing that last ten minutes.
0: Yeah, that's right. It was a complete reverse of the eighty nine game, and um, we we probably should have put that one away, but didn't the the Panthers. I look back on that game and and go, there was a wonderful opportunity for us to win at a different, a few different times, but mm. um, we didn't take that opportunity.
1: Mel Meninga, Laurie Daly talk about they see ninety one in positive light to go through all that adversity. Plus, all those injuries, as as painful as it was to lose, it still holds as a positive experience in their careers. Same for you. Obviously, you won the Clive Churchill Medal again on a losing side.
0: Yeah, so that was a, a positive. I drew upon that as a, a personal achievement. So yeah, it was. Uh, there was a lot to to be taken out of that game. Uh, even though we didn't win, uh, we're a gallant second.
1: <laughs> For yourself in 93, uh, your rep career really takes it the next level and you're, you're touted being as one of the best players in the world. How did you deal with that kind of publicity?
0: I oh, hugely honoured and, and humbled to be in that realm. And um, I suppose you look at, uh, I'd been in the game since 88 and um, trying to be the best I could every time I play. And, and so I to get recognised in that realm, even you know, for those words to pass anyone's lips is um, a real honour. And you know, oh, I wasn't, or I wasn't, there was no real measurement.
1: 1994. Wow, what a year that was. Mao's last year. Talking to a lot of the guys there, they really bound behind Mao's back to do it for him. Not without it's also controversial. You lose Johnny Lomax, the suspension during the week. Paul Osborne about to go on an aeroplane to England. Sheensy says, "Look, just stay behind for this one." What a day that was for you guys! What it sure day.
0: was. Yeah, ninety four was a great team. We had some sensational players. Brett Mullins had an incredible year. We uh, and Big Mel's last where uh, we did. We wanted to make sure that we sent Meller out as a winner, and he deserved to go out that way. And um, the influence that he had on all of our careers was um, immeasurable uh, due to the, the enormous amount of talent in the team, Dave Verner and Jason Croker and Brett Mullins and Brett Hetherington, And they all stepped up to mm. to make a name for themselves uh, with those core players of, of having uh, Sticky and Laurie directing the ship. It was, uh, it was a good time.
1: You mentioned Sticky. You had a great rapport with him Is it true that he pretty much said to you, you just tackle and I'll make you look good with scoring
0: tries? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the agreement was to do his tackling and he would do all my thinking on the field and uh, offer all the direction. So I I could go out there and and just leave my brain at the door and he would narrate the whole game, essentially. He offered direction for the whole team and it was a real luxury for us to to have that because there was so much talent. All you need is, is to be able to uh, all be heading in the same direction. When Sticky provided some direction to the team, there was no question whether that was the right thing to do. Everyone just complied.
1: You look at old tapes and old games on Fox today, just how much he controlled the game and how he just led you guys around the park like the perfect chess player.
0: I, I look at the teams now where, uh, you know, the, the halfbacks. In today's game, uh, there, there's a number of top quality halfbacks that don't have that quality. They'll play whatever's in front of them, they're good runners of the ball, but look, they don't know how to steer their team to a win. And I, I say it's a luxury because I, uh, I know how powerful it is. I would rather have a, a halfback that offers direction than uh, a halfback that is a runner of the ball because all 13 players on the field benefit as opposed to uh, just one player benefiting. And and Ricky um, did it so well. It it was just a natural part of his game.
1: 94, you get picked for the Kangaroo Tour. It would have been good to get on the plane there considering you missed 1990.
0: Yeah, again, it was another experience I'd I'd had to be a part of and uh, to step on the plane and be a part of the touring party in England and France and enjoy that whole journey.
1: Mel Meninga mentioned recently that uh, I asked him, who's the most underrated player that you played with? And he mentioned you. He mentioned the fact that you'd be the first one there to take a hit up. Was it just your desire to be there for the team? Because you were just such a team player and you worked so hard. And whether you'd be there in the middle, you would be there on the edge. You were the first one there to take a hit up to the point that They've designed the whole 80-minute forward model around Bradley Clyde of the 90s, the likes of Paul Gallant for these days. What was your mentality? What was your whole ethos there to be the first one there to take the ball up?
0: Uh, I remember Sheenzy asking me to be there at each breakdown. So um, he saw some opportunity for me to um, play a, that role. And um, so that first hit-up, he didn't want it to be uh, just another... Kid up, he wanted to some uh, purpose on a play immediately. So um, I tried to make sure that I was available. That that's where that stemmed from. I, I loved just being involved in the game. Anyone who sort of saw me play as a junior, just uh, I just followed the ball around and wanted to be involved and get my hands on the ball and, um, and enjoyed that style of play.
1: So it was almost like the inner child in you coming out there on the footy field.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the way I, I viewed rugby league. I, I thought. Uh, you know, it was something that I could reshape and redesign the 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 lock forward play uh, i'd uh, grown up with stories from my father about Johnny Raper the style of football that he used to play then, i I was influenced by Wayne Pierce as a lot forward and then I looked at the way that Brett Kenny used to play the game at five eight and just the the wizardry that he come up with and I wanted to be all those three influences and all at all at once so um it helps to have a, a reasonable imagination to be able to uh, re-engineer the, the lock forward game that is was is one of the things that I want to do.
1: Bradley Clyde, I'm going to fire off the Forever Green set of six. The first question, what do you do for work now, Bradley?
0: I'm a general manager at a technology company called Chandler. Something completely different away from the football. Uh, this is my second year completely away from the football. I was doing some work with the NRL.
1: Favourite memory as a Raider?
0: favourite memory is definitely the 1989 grand final.
1: Pulling on the Raiders jersey for the first time in 88 in first grade, what did it mean to you to wear the Raiders jersey?
0: Yeah, look, it was a, a dream come true. Uh, I remember when Shinji asked me to, uh, to pull on a first grade jersey, Look, he teamed down with rain the whole week and here we were playing the Magpies out at Campbelltown Stadium which it was just a mud bath this is back in the day in 88 and um, it was a tough day at the office I remember all I did was basically tackle, I ran the ball a few times and tried to contribute in attack in support but I remember just pretty much uh, with my head down, making as many tackles as I could and tried to be as effective as I could.
1: Who was your favourite teammate and why?
0: Steve Walters was, was a favourite, uh, along with uh, Laurie and Sticky. I think we all shared a lot in kind. Country boys at heart that um, lived uh, parallel lives. Do you keep
1: in touch with many of the former teammates?
0: Yeah, we all get together at different times, uh, primarily through rep season. We all come together with different events and um, it's great to, to, to see you all the boys.
1: Funniest moment as a
0: Raider? The funniest moment, a lot of different stories, but uh, certainly when uh, Laurie knocked Arthur Summons' his arm off of <laughs> the uh, Winfield Cup in 89, uh, before the cavalcade. Um, <laughs> That was pretty funny.
1: Always gets remembered, poor old Loz.
0: <laughs> His hands were superb, but on this occasion, after about 16 beers the night before, <laughs> uh, he uh, managed to knock on the Winfield Cup. You
1: had a wonderful career at the Canberra Raiders. What advice do you offer any of the current players?
0: To the current players, I, I look at uh, their, their the focus making rugby league an absolute priority in their lives for a, a 10 15-year block, making sure that, one, they have no excuses when they look back on their career and um, and wish they had done things different, having a no excuses policy is a healthy uh, policy to have and, and use that as part of your, your constitution with not just rugby league, but, but any goal that they, they set when you're taking the field, making sure that you're enjoying yourself. And all. I think everyone enjoys themselves more when they're winning but there's a lot to be learnt about games when you lose. Those two points in particular uh, can turn some good players into great players.
1: Bradley Clyde, thank you for joining us on the Behind the Limelight Light podcast.
0: My pleasure. Loved having a chat and uh, good luck to the team in two eighteen. eh?